0: Hey Foundry Church, welcome to Resolution Week, right? It's the week after Christmas where we start pondering our New Year's resolutions. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas uh, with your family, with friends, and that God just blessed and provided for you in this season as as he has provided our ultimate need in the coming of Jesus Christ into this world and dying for our sins. We're just so thankful that we get to join with you today. But in, uh, in the spirit of resolution time, don't worry, I'm looking at my Phone, I'm getting a bunch of texts. That's not true. Um, I'm actually looking at a meme because uh, 2020 has been interesting. Now, I don't know about you, but um, I'm a Star Wars fan. And you're like, oh, there's another thing to chalk up, nerd. And that's fine. Judge all you want. I've got one friend on staff here at church who, um, Justin, I, I mock him all the time for it. I, you don't know the difference between Lord of the Rings. Harry Potter, Star Wars, everybody's a wizard wearing a robe in Justin's world, but um, yeah, when you know, like, yeah, it just—it's—I don't even know how to say it. It's been an interesting run talking when you talk about Star Wars with Justin, and you're like a Jedi, and he's like, "What?" And I'm like, "Well, he's a little boy with a scar in his head." and Cast spells. No, it's not how it works. Um, So, anyways, Star Wars. Um, Star Wars has this epic moment in, uh, in their third episode, which actually is the sixth, because they started with the four, five, and six, and then they made the prequels after that. Um... Which makes perfect sense to me as a dyslexic. I know you want me to get to the point, but I refuse. It's the week between Christmas. Um, So there's this moment where Obi-Wan Kenobi, the master Jedi, who has trained young Anakin Skywalker to be a Jedi. They're special swordsmen in a galaxy far away a long time ago. And uh, he had trained him to be a Jedi. But Anakin turns to the dark side and he becomes Darth Vader. We all kind of know who Darth Vader is, right, Justin? Yeah, yeah, you do know, okay. So th- we all know who he is, even if we haven't seen the movies. Uh, we know who Darth Vader is. He's this terrible um, uh, Sith Lord, right? He's, he's a horrible person. But there's this moment in uh, episode three, right when, um, Obi-Wan has defeated uh, Anakin and, or Darth Vader. And, and he looks at him and he says to Anakin, you are the chosen one. And Anakin's like, I hate you. Because he kind of just really beat him up really bad. And I feel like that with 2020 when it comes to our resolutions. I want you to think of all the potential in 2020. In 2020, Valentine's was on a Friday. Perfect, right? Valentine's on a Friday. February. It was leap year. We had 29 days in February. Like, yeah, it was great. So we had our little leap year going. Cinco de Mayo was on Taco Tuesday. Like, planets aligning with that. The 4th of July on a Saturday Y'all come, grill, you know, launch some fireworks, America time, Halloween, also on a Saturday. You can get your costume ready all day and just be ready to roll. Christmas is on a Friday and New Year's begins a three-day weekend. To 2020, I'm like, you were the chosen one. 2020 back to all of us. I hate you, right? That's how it feels. It feels like 2020's like, oh, thank you. Mm, take that. Oh, it's been rough, but we're at resolution time. And I want to talk to you this week about that. I want to take a look at, um, at the idea of resolution. There is a piece of furniture. In the White House, it's called the Resolute Desk. Now, the Resolute Desk, I want you to picture something with me. Uh, let us I think it was around 1850 or 1860, there was a whaling ship. I know those are super unpopular now, but there was a whaling ship in the Arctic, and they came across a ghost ship, an unmanned, abandoned ship creepy and they go up and they notice nobody's on it and it's a british man of warship it's the HMS resolute and it's totally deserted they they tie onto it, they lash onto it, and they tow it back to England. And the Resolute, being such a stout and mighty ship of war, actually goes on to serve the rest of its life in the British Navy, and when it was decommissioned and deconstructed, its giant oak beams were of such value, girth, and um, integrity that Queen Victoria went and had two desks made of it. Both desks weigh 1,100 pounds. (laughs) Like this is just a big desk, right? It's this huge desk. It's the resolute desk. And on the resolute desk, we know this, that um, it was made out of the strong timbers of a ship, once abandoned, brought back into service, and then when decommissioned, they couldn't just throw it away. So they build this beautiful desk out of it this beautiful pair of desks out of it. One sits in Buckingham Palace. The other sits in the Oval Office of the White House right now. And this is where presidents have made decisions. Presidents have made decisions. It's where they have thought. Many of them have knelt by this desk or laid their hands and prayed on this desk. Um, This is where important documents have been signed that are vital to our nation's uh, ability to thrive. Laws have been signed into into law there. Everything going on around the pres. Has piled up on the resolute desk. Actually, I have a really cool picture I want to show you. It's of JFK sitting at the Resolute Desk. Check this out real quick. Oh, look at that. Isn't that amazing? It's this picture of JFK and all the reporters, and that desk is piled high with things he has to attend to. So, the resolute desk. To be resolute is to be resolved. What does being resolved look like? What does it look like to be resolved to do something? One one way I can paint it is if you've ever been around theater, people who are in theater, there is, uh, usually they're a lot of fun. The, the people in theater are a lot of fun. There's a lot of, they just, I don't know, they're, they're kind of outgoing, uh, that, that big personality of people. A lot of times you'll see people like that in a theater uh, troupe, yeah. That's right, I call it theater troupe, what up? And uh, it's a week after Christmas, I can get away with words like troupe. Um, so what, what they would do though, what you see is like these actors who are a lot of fun and kind of gregarious, all of a sudden, about five minutes to 10 minutes before showtime, you'll see them standing backstage and there's chaos backstage going on around them and they are like, <sighs> None of it is touching them. None of it is is getting their attention. They have resolved themselves to the role they have to play to all you can just see them working through it. All the dance steps, all the songs, all the lines, all the timing, all the effort, all the expression, all the emotion they're trying to convey. They get into character and they resolve themselves to go and play the role. They are resolved to it, and they're going to go out in a public setting and at great personal risk to their reputation, perform this part. They get resolved. They kind of lock into the part of being resolved. I think that's what resolved looks like. It goes above the chaos around you and sets your face and mind onto a task for which you have been prepared. The prophet Isaiah Uh, who told uh, us of a promised Savior hundreds of years before Christ was born, promised a shepherd king, a Savior who would be resolved in carrying out his task. He talked about this Savior, this Messiah, as one who would have a face resolved, set above the chaos around him, and not looking up. In Isaiah 50, verse seven, um, it says this, and he prophesied that the servant Jesus would carry out the work, that God had for him. These are the words of Isaiah chapter 50, verses four to seven. It says this, the sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I have not been rebellious. I have not turned away. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who who pull out my beard, I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting because the sovereign Lord helps me. I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint and I know I will not be put to shame. That is a prophetic scripture about the Messiah. Therefore, I have set my face like flint I, like stone, I will not look away from this. I know I will not be put to shame. Even though these things happen, I know my glory will come, right? Isaiah prophesies this of the Messiah. Luke echoes this resolute image of Jesus Christ in saving his people. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, speaking of Jesus, he set his face to go towards Jerusalem. Like like a ship at sea turns its nose into the wind and goes forward, Jesus set his face into the wind and walked towards Jerusalem, unbent and unbroken. Why? Why? Because he knew his time had come and it was going to be difficult. He set his face like flint. The obedience of going forward into Jerusalem the week before his crucifixion is actually in every way referred to as as being resolved or setting your face like flint. Jesus was resolved. He would not be swayed to the right or left. He was set like stone on his destination, on his purpose, and it would be so costly and such a trial and such darkness that he could not let the chaos around him absorb him. He had to set his face on the task at hand. In Jerusalem, Jesus would face torture, Arrest, false accusations, an agonizing death, including scourging and a crucifixion. But with trust in God the Father to help and defend him before his enemies, Jesus walked there. Like, get that with me. He didn't get drugged to Jerusalem by choice. He went to the place where all those things would happen. He chose to go there. He set off firmly, unflinchingly committed to finishing his mission, to being obedient completely. There would be no backing out. There would be no backing out when he set his face like flint and headed for Jerusalem. There would be no backward step. No enemy or accuser could deter him from his task. And what we know is this. He was going to accomplish his purpose in spite of the chaos around him. He had set his face like flint. Can you imagine that task? Can you imagine for Jesus Christ what it was like lay with that laying ahead of you and not looking back how badly just in his humanity he would want to be like I don't want this this is going to be brutal I don't want this Of course he didn't want it. Jesus was fully human while being fully God, which means this, he experienced the torment and the dark night of the soul as he walked to the place where everything would seemingly come undone, where everything would feel like it imploded and all the hope and promise would die on a cross, where his life and his blood would be poured out and his body broken. He set his face to go do this and Here's the thing, when we imagine and think of what it took for Jesus to set his face towards that task, to walk to Jerusalem, to endure it, we can realize the gravity, the weight of what Jesus had to do physically, emotionally. Have you ever been rejected? Oh man, it's the worst getting dumped, You hate it. Like, remember back in high school, it's like, it's over. And you're like, oh, but I love you so much. And your heart breaks. It's terrible. But think of what happened to Jesus. People loved him. They followed him. They cried out, Hosanna, the king has come. They adored him. And just a few days later, they shouted, crucify him. They rejected him. They mocked him. They laughed at him. They spit on him. He knew this was coming. He was fully human. He would be rejected, flogged, murdered. And alone, he would be completely alone, not just from humans. He went through all of that. But then Psalm 22, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Meaning that God turned his face away from his son. Why? Because the sin of the world was laid on Christ and God is holy. There is no darkness in him. So when Christ bore our sin, the gravity and the weight of what happened is that God separated himself from God for a moment. And we can see and experience in our own imagination the horror of that moment. And here's the thing, I wanna go back to it. Jesus was resolved to do this. He was resolved to the task in front of him. And it's it's amazing to me that he could be resolute like that. How could you be resolute like that? I would say this, we're not, um, (laughs) we're not super good at being resolute, right? Like, just think of it, like like you're, you're on vacation with your family and somebody's like, "Hey, if you'd like to come to a meeting tomorrow, we'll give you a hundred-dollar gift card and passes to this thing, and uh, we'll feed you guys a free free breakfast, and uh, just just stay for a short presentation." And you're like, "Oh, timeshare!" But it's a hundred-dollar gift card, and we get passes to that, you know, like you know, for a day to Disney World. Oh my goodness. Are we going to a timeshare meeting? You're like, yeah, we're going. So you're like, okay, sign us up. So they sign you up for like, you know, the vacation club or the timeshare. And you're like, the next morning you get up and you look at your spouse and you're like, we are not buying another timeshare. Another, right? So you're like, okay, we are set. We are resolved not to do this. 45 minutes into the meeting, you're flagging down a salesman. We'd like to get some points in this wonderful organization. Even though we feel resolved in the moment, we quickly falter with it. Don't we? I mean, maybe not you. I'm terrible. I'm terrible. I like. I. I think I'm gullible to sales tactics. Um, like people say, wow, that really looks good on you, and I'm wearing like a potato sack. Really? I mean, it does seem to do something for me. I am gullible to this. I am super gullible to it. I don't know if it's my vanity or the, or the fact that I, I kind of believe that people are telling me the truth. I just know this, that sometimes we go into something resolved, and we come out, Well, not so resolved, but now fully participant in what we said we weren't going to do. We're not always great at it. What if your resolution this year was not something to do? It wasn't doing something. It was being something. It was actually a transformational. Well, what if your resolution was Christ and his purposes for you? So you can't make any concrete promises on what you're going to do this year. You can just say this, in 2021, my resolution is Christ and his purposes for me. Not doing things, or doing things, or I don't know, whatever the things are you'd want to do for a resolution. Letting that go away and just saying, that's not what I'm doing. I'm not pursuing little things I'm going to do differently. I'm going to pursue letting Christ and his spirit fill me. Letting Christ um, guard me and direct me, Christ in me, through me, and speaking purpose into everything I do. What if Christ was our resolution? Let's look real quick at three places within Scripture where we can see a resolute stance, where someone resolves themselves to turn to God. First one is this, 1 Corinthians, a letter written to the church in Corinth by the Apostle Paul. It says this. 1 Corinthians 2:2 2, 2. Paul says for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except this one thing Jesus Christ and him crucified Paul's resolution wasn't to have a Corinthian experience his resolution wasn't to, um, to, to have a cultural moment and an awakening for the Corinthians. It was to know Jesus Christ and him crucified because Paul knows in knowing Jesus Christ, in knowing him crucified, Paul would be much more willing to lay his life down for the people of Corinth to know that salvation. And Paul resolved himself. He set his face like flint to that task and he leaned into it. I think what we could say is, let this, that scripture, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. What if for us, that's our resolute desk? That's the place of resolution for us. That is the place where we face what we need to work on in Christ and him crucified. Our tasks for the year, we deal with it On the desk of our resolution that we know Christ and Him crucified. So Jesus informs everything of our decisions. You bring it before Christ. The work you do and the play and the things, the the actions you carry out at home, at work, in social settings are done from a place of resolution to know Christ and Him crucified. Period. What if we did that? Let Christ. Be your resolute desk, the place where big decisions happen, the place where um, moments of significance happen, the place where quiet meditation happens, the place where you turn and open your heart to God's will and purposes for you. Let Christ be your resolute desk, the place you decide everything, the place from which you spring forward to carry out everything, everything. Let Christ be your resolute desk. Let Christ be that. What if Jesus was your resolution for 2020? Him and his purposes for you. Second thing I would say is this. What do we do in 2021 when we're faced with crises? I mean, Like, seriously, you you probably can't even remember back to New Year's Eve on 2019, and you're like, oh, I wonder what 2020 is going to be like. And some people are like, you know, like Tony the Tiger, it's going to be great. And you're like, actually, it was a bit of a garbage fire. I know some people had a good year, and I'm happy for you. But uh, the reality is 2020 globally has been a bit of a twisted ankle. It hurts, and it's hard to walk around normally, right? It's been different. So let me ask you this. What if 2021 has crisis in it. What are we gonna do if Christ is our resolution, if he's our resolute desk, what are we gonna do in 2021? If 2021 is a little bit of a twin brother to 2020, what are we gonna do with it? Well, let's look to Scripture, Second Chronicles 20, chapter 3. Finds us with a king named Jehoshaphat. Can you imagine what he got called in middle school? <laughs> Dude, your name is Jehoshaphat. Anyways, um, It's just, I would have been, he wouldn't have liked me. Um, But Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah, and here's what happens. Uh, He gets attacked. The, there is an army coming up from the southeast of the Dead Sea towards Jerusalem, and they are like hordes of locusts. It's the Edomites, a longtime enemy of the children of God. And the Edomites are coming up in a vast army, and, and Jehoshaphat is in a panic. He knows he cannot withstand them, and he is in a very weakened state. And it says this, Second Chronicles 20, chapter 3. This is what he did during crisis, alarmed. That's the first word. He's alarmed. You know, he's alarmed. Okay, alarmed. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. He said, don't eat, don't drink, spend time with me inquiring of the Lord there are times where you're going to need to resolve to inquire of the Lord. There are gonna be crises, there are gonna be things that come at you that want to dominate your brain and you have to resolve yourself to not inquire just of the situation you face but of God's purposes in it. So if Christ is your resolute desk, you take that crisis back to Christ and you, you like Jehoshaphat, resolve yourself to inquire of God's perspective on it. Some of us will have bad diagnoses in 2021. We are going to lose things in 2021. Many of us will have a great year, but there is going to be hard crises. And if Christ is our resolution, that's where our crisis goes back to. Just like Jehoshaphat, it goes back to that. In the face of a terrifying enemy, who was bigger to him? He went to God and he resolved himself not to focus on the onslaught of the Edomites. He focused on God and what God had to say about it. So what crisis may you face? We had no idea what was coming this year, right? Just no idea. But the fact is, God knew. We don't even know what tomorrow will bring. I mean, 2020 has just a couple days left, and you're like, you be nice. You just sit in your corner and end quietly, right? Nobody wants the last few days of 2020. You're like, let's just jump ahead, right? But what are we going to do with this? What could it be? Finance, health, government? Government? What could it be? What's gonna be the crisis? Think of something. Now, I want you to picture yourself going back to that desk like JFK with all those people around him and all the business and lay it on the desk. Lay it on the resolute desk, the Lord Jesus Christ. Put that thing on your resolution and your resolution is Christ and his purpose is for you. Lay it down there and say, Lord Jesus, I don't know what this crisis means, but I trust you and your purpose is for me in it. How do I walk this road? How do I walk this road? Maybe you go to a bedroom and you kneel. Maybe you invite your family to spend time with you praying over something. Maybe you take a drive and you just talk to God as you drive down the road. What will you do, get this, this is the kicker, before you do everything else? Make your resolution Christ, which means he's first. When the crisis hits, he's first. And you inquire of the Lord what his purposes are in it. And if it's a big deal in your life, you inquire of the Lord and you ask friends and family, your church family, to inquire of the Lord on your behalf and give you wisdom. You go back to Christ. Last thing. Uh, Well, I would say this, just have a plan. Having a plan matters. Knowing what you're going to do before It happens, at least gives you your first step. So you can say, we don't know what the crisis will be in 2021, but here's the thing. Since we know hard times do come, if we have a plan, at least we know what our immediate response is. And that immediate response for those of us whose resolution is Christ is this. I'm going straight to Jesus with it. That's your first step. There's so much peace in that. Finally, what will we do if we're faced with temptation in 2021? Temptation. What do we do with that? Remember Daniel? We talked about him in the series Brave. We talked about him, and he was a teenager when uh, Babylon sacked Jerusalem in 586, about 586 years before Christ was born. Um, And he was hauled off to Babylon, and he was one of the noble kids, and he was bright, he was intelligent, and they, they were grooming him for leadership in the Babylonian courts. And do you remember what happened with him? Well, here's what it says in Daniel 1.8. Daniel had been offered all these foods and delicacies of the Babylonian kingdom, right, of the palace food, and it said this, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. Daniel would have known hunger. He lived through the siege of a city which usually they starved them out. They, they trapped them within the city and they starved out. Daniel had then been marched across the Arabian desert to Babylon from Israel to modern day like Baghdad in that area. He'd been walked across that desert. He knew hunger. He knew what it was to have an appetite and the delicacies of the king, the meats, the breads, the wine, most of which had been poured out in libation or cooked in libation to a king, or a, sorry, not a king, to an idol, to the gods, the pagan gods of Babylon. And Daniel said, I will not defile myself. He resolved himself not to give in to the temptation. How hungry must he have been after a starvation lifestyle for so many years to see that before him? And he said, no, I resolve. He resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. So, here's what I would say. Since Daniel set his face to God, he set his heart on God, and when his crisis came, he resolved not to break his relationship with God by giving in to something that would grieve the heart of God. So what did he do? In being resolved, he went and he asked, hey, can I be excused from that? He pulled himself back. So when you face temptation, Satan will want to tell you, you can't. You can't resist this. And here's the terrible news. He's right. You can't. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And since we know Satan is in this world and we know the spirit of God lives in us, we were just offered the winning hand. We can win in this because Christ can. And if Christ is our resolution, our temptation goes to the resolution first. It lands on the desk of our life, the resolution of Christ, and we lay it down and we lay that temptation before him. Sometimes we don't wanna pray. I was just talking to Erica about this today. It was awesome. And she said there'll be times where she's shopping for something and like she gets a little convicted about buying, I don't know, what, whatever it was, but she said, I will literally, I just loved it because I I saw her do it. She goes, I'll be sitting there looking and I just feel like maybe I shouldn't do it. And she's like, "I'll, I'll not make eye contact with God like she'd be like oh come on and like her head would go around and she was doing I'm like oh you do that it was an awesome moment but we do it like a toddler when they come into the room and they've got like you said you can have one oreo and they have like five stuffed in their shirt and you're like hey do you have more than one oreo and they're like no no totally I have one I had one why would you ask and it's like well you have oreo shaped lumps all over you right? They've tucked them into their little onesie or something. And you look at me like, what are you doing? Their their eyes are kind of darting all over because they don't want to face the fact, they don't want to obey because the temptation's too much. And they're like, well, I would rather hide and eat this in shame than to be in right relationship with you. The sad truth is that's very much you and I when it comes to God. We can avoid eye contact with God like a toddler quite often when the conviction comes when the conviction comes. So if you find yourself avoiding eye contact with God, whatever that looks like, and I think holding that image of a toddler is so good because it's like, you know, boy, you get tempted, wow, whoa. It's not like God would mind. And you start like, you can feel your eyes darting and moving. Lean in and go, wait a minute. This is that thing we talked about. I don't want a way out of this temptation. I want to give in. Lay that want before Christ. You won't want to, but do it. Be like, I don't even want to obey. There it is. That's pretty horrifying. That's my nature. Sin isn't what I do. It's who I am. And you can admit it. You can be honest. And it's a wonderful moment to lay it before Christ and experience the satisfaction of him relieving the temptation. He does relieve the temptation. We want to hold on to things, but they are like a piece of hot steel in our hand. They're burning us and harming us. And when we let it go, the healing begins. And that's what we have to do. That's what we have to do. So here's some temptations you're gonna face in 2021 comparison, jealousy, and anger. That it's just gonna happen. It's gonna happen, we're gonna look around at the haves and have nots in this world, we're gonna do our tallies and be like, I'm not happy because I don't have that, or I don't have this, or I'm not this or that. We're going to have that. We need to lay the temptation to live in that bitterness aside and we need to lay it before Christ because there's nothing of Christ in that. And I'll be honest, friends, I, I struggle with that too. I mean, I told you uh, a number of weeks ago, back after hunting season, when I didn't get the deer I wanted and someone else got that deer, um, I, was, I was mad it's so lame. It's such a lame thing. And after I kind of laid that before God and I was so ashamed of my own bitterness, I, I, I think the, the joy I found in that is that I was able to let that go because I laid it in front of Christ. It's a very real thing to let it go. So don't be in the game of comparison. Take things to God that um, God doesn't have for you. And be like, I don't know why you don't have this for me, but I'm gonna lay it down and I'm gonna trust you. Another place you're gonna struggle is gossip. You're gonna look at things, be tempted to look at things you shouldn't. You're gonna be like, oh, it's okay, and you're just on the scroller coaster. You're like, oh my, right? You're going to do you're going to be tempted. What are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with the gossip, the looking at things we shouldn't, with um, with rage, with cruel words, with self-centered behavior, with just the, the way we are as people by our nature. Satan tempts us in the things we give in to quickest. What are we going to do with that? Here's what I want to invite you to do. Take your temptations and your desire to live into them and lay them on the resolution of Christ. I am resolved. I have set my face like flint that Christ would be my Resolution and build your life on the one who was resolute all the way to the cross. Build your life on the one who was tempted, who was tempted to walk the other way from Jerusalem but didn't. Why? Because of you. So here's the thing in our resolution, being Christ, we are going to be tempted to look away from Him, but why won't we? Because of Him. Because of Him. He showed us that life and life to the full is not indulging our temptations, it's not giving into the crisis, it's not having a world focus, it's having Christ and being resolved to know one thing, Christ and him crucified. May Christ be your resolution this coming year. Him and his purposes for you and may everything you attend to in the year to come, may that go through the filter of the Lord Jesus Christ and may the things he has willed and purposed for you come into your life and be used for his glory and power in 2021. We don't know what the year will bring, but we do know the one who holds the year. Pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for your spirit, for the hope, and the, the, just the opportunity as your church to joyfully celebrate the end of a year and a new one to come. And though it does feel like 2020 has been a disappointment, we know this, that in these hard times, you have honed us and sharpened us. You have woven your word into us because we were desperate for it. You have broken us in many ways, of our dependency on um, on so much that this world offers and given us yourself. And we have clung to you, Lord Jesus Christ, for healing, for hope, for clarity. So may 2021 be a fruitful year because we have been rooted into you. We pray, I pray for our church. That you, Lord Jesus Christ, that Christ would be our resolution and his purposes for us. And nothing of Satan, nothing of Satan's plan for us would come to fruition. But you, Lord Jesus, would walk ahead of us, rout the enemy off our path, and that many sons and daughters would come into the faith because you, Jesus Christ, have worked in our lives in such a way that the world sees and knows the truth of the gospel. May that be said as we come out of 2021. May you, Lord Jesus, be our resolution and help us set our face like flint towards walking with you. In your name we pray, amen. What would it look like if we just jumped ahead one year and this was the year that we in totality, all of us in the Foundry Church, had made our resolution Christ and his purposes for us. What would it look like? I think it would look different even though the world's circumstances may not change. Even though there may still be pandemic by the end of 21. Even though there may be war and disease and rumors of war. I think it would still look beautifully different. Why? Because so many of us would have committed ourselves to Christ and his purposes for us. And we would have filtered everything through that. I think uh, the infighting on things would stop. I think gossip would die away tremendously. I think all the things that we do to break one another would find, um, find themselves strangely absent. And I find myself hopeful going into 2021, not because of politics, not because of vaccines. I am positive and hopeful going into this year because we serve a God who said, come unto me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. My prayer is that we will experience the peace of Christ as we give everything to Christ. As we go this year um, and and head into the new year, I have a different benediction um, than I normally do, but I think it's fitting as we end this year. Um, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine by the power that is work at work within us through Christ Jesus. To him be glory in Christ and in the church, both now and for all generations, forever and ever, amen. As you go into 2021, hear those words. To him, who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. To him be glory. May your lives give glory to the one who died for you and has offered you himself and his presence as a place of peace in this life. Grace and peace. and May you have the happiest of new years.